The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 204 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, a little later in the week for us, but how are you doing on this fine Friday? Good. Tough week for the U.S., but... We have basketball as a distraction. A few games left. We just saw Golden State take care of business against Dallas 4-1, and they're waiting for the finals matchup. And so we thought this week we'd talk about the ramifications of that series. Look ahead. We're probably going to be able to do a finals preview before that, right? Yeah, I think the finals start uh, next Thursday, I believe June 2nd, regardless of if Boston were to close it out on uh, Friday night. So our typical Wednesday show will just kind of be a, a, a preview of the finals. I I do and and we're, we're like penciling in Boston, but let's, let's save that and talk about Golden State. Cause I mean, I, I wavered on them all season of whether they were real finals title contender or not. And I thought they were so impressive against Dallas. Um, you know, at a certain point, everyone's like, Oh, they just didn't shoot threes well against Golden State, whether it's Houston back in the day or, Dallas now, like you got to give Golden State credit for having, you know, speed on the perimeter, well-coached defense. Like there has to be some reason that they, they're, you know, top, they were number one defense this year, even the dream on missing time. Yeah. I think that um, the Golden State thing is so interesting for a lot of reasons. And I, I, part of me wants to talk about Dallas just because like Luca is in my opinion, like the most interesting guy left in the playoffs. But I do agree that like, this is now, I'm not going to go into like the Clay Thompson being healthy like two years ago. Maybe they don't end up playing terrible, but like this is basically their team at full strength every single year has made the finals since 2014. Right now they added Kevin Durant for, for three years or whatever, but like this level of like sustained dominance around basically Steph Curry, Draymond Green and Clay Thompson is I shouldn't say dominance. They they weren't dominant this year specifically, but like they just win. And like you said, they had injuries throughout the year. And we kind of said at full strength, like we really like the Warriors. We really like how they're built. I do think they probably would have been an underdog against Phoenix, but I think Dallas was a really good matchup for them. And I actually do think that Boston as well is, is an interesting matchup if they play Boston. Miami, I think it'll just be a boring series, but I, I just think that this Golden State team and like, ownership and Steve Kerr and staff and then the players just deserve so much credit for not being like all right well we have the second pick we're going to draft James Wiseman like let's just blow it up because they knew they could get back to this point and win the west again and and I don't know that I believe them to be honest with you Zan but like yeah well and and I thought my point it stumbled on was actually a good one because they just looked it up um the idea that three opponents three point percentage a lot of people think is just random and some of it, some fortunate. Of it, yeah. Some of it is definitely random, but like, I agree. Like the Knicks is the most famous example from last year to this year. And it, and it turned out to like regress to the mean. Looked it up. Golden State was top five in opponents three point percentage this year. They were top five 
in 2014-15. They were top five 2015-16. They were top five 2016-17. So I don't think that's coincidence. So there is something about like their personnel, the way they, you know, their wings, I think. Um, there is some sort of logic to that. And then obviously with the great shooting. And I had this question for you, actually, as a talking point. Steph Curry's older, not in his prime anymore. Still great, but not in his prime. Clay Thompson, not in his prime. Draymond Green, probably not in his prime, right? Those guys are all probably better four or five years ago. But do you think the supporting cast around them for this team is better than those teams pre-Durant? I don't think so, personally. Like that Because so, we're talking about Harrison Barnes. We're talking about Andrew, Andrew Bogut Bogan. was good. Sebastian But Tuff. not a ton besides that. Iguodala. Sean Livingston, Iguodala was obviously in his prime back then. Like those teams were better. And and again, like because of, you know, 15, 16, when they win 73 games and then they end up losing to Cleveland. Like, I, I don't think it's, it's fun for NBA Twitter to talk about how that team was overrated, but like the bottom line is, you know, Draymond Green gets ejected from whatever game that was game four. He's suspended for game five. Cleveland manages to win a game and then wins at home, and then in a game seven, anything can happen, and they manage to win because they have LeBron James. And I think that because of that, those 14-15, 15-16 teams don't get viewed as like what they possibly should be, which is you know arguably the greatest teams of all time in a two-year span. Like I know at this point in time, Steph Curry is not viewed in the same light as Michael Jordan and LeBron, but like if Golden State wins the finals in two weeks and Steph Curry now has four titles and like he wins a finals MVP finally, like it's going to be hard to, to, if you're, you know, you like to talk about narratives all the time. Like it's going to be hard to, to look at Steph Curry's career and not say that he's like infinitely better than some of the point guards that he gets compared to currently. And so sure. I think, yeah, those, no, I think that, that 14, think 15, 15, 16 team, that those two teams were, were way better. And then obviously like, I think they're, they're, uh, Durant's second year, I think that was the best team ever, personally. Like, I don't think yeah. anybody is touching I think the Durant teams were the best team I've ever seen. But Agreed. Um, but yeah, maybe you're right. Iguodala was maybe slightly better in the Wiggins role, certainly defensively. Um, even their death lineup Wiggins was, has been good. Wiggins has been very good. And, and yeah. see, that, that's kind of like the credit like Golden State deserves, right? Like, if you, you, you look at their decisions in the last couple of years, like, they end up with D'Angelo Russell and then they realize like, look, this doesn't work. And, and, and I think, you know, to our credit, Zan, uh, you know, our, our couch watching take giving acumen here is we thought like there was no way D'Angelo Russell worked long term with Clay and Steph because you don't want another small guard who can't really defend. And like they realized that after, you know, right away and and flipped D'Angelo Russell for well, he still had value. Yeah, right. Who, who is and Wiggins probably has more value, even though he makes a lot of money. Wiggins has a lot more value to Golden State than D'Angelo Russell does. So not they get the, they get a pick and they get a better player for them. And Wiggins was, I don't know, I wouldn't say that he was their best player in this series, but like certainly had an argument for one of yeah, their best players. I would, I would be curious if Kerr, you know, gun to his head, if they said in the finals you could either have Wiggins or Clay. Hmm. I think he might take Wiggins just because well, of the defensibility. Luckily, he gets to uh, pick both. I also do think like Andrew Wiggins is a really interesting person to think about because you know he's the number one overall pick. It's very clear that like Embiid was better than him and is a better player now. But he came in with all this hype, and 
you know, he had really good numbers early on in Golden State. Like, I think he averaged like 24 points a game, but it was like analytics were like, this guy stinks, blah, 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 blah. And he really has taken a jump as like a winning player. Yeah. And I think that it's important to realize that guys like Andrew Wiggins, just because they're overpaid, doesn't mean that they can't bring value in the right situation. And I think Golden State, obviously their culture, and then, you know, like the Heat culture is ridiculous as well. Like, but those teams are able to get some guys in that maybe you know, or cast offs or wouldn't succeed elsewhere and turn them into a good player. And so I would caution, I don't know what Andrew Wayne's long-term outlook is in, right? Like he's, he's 27, just turned 27. Right. And he's coming off already a max deal, right? And his deal's up this year, correct? Like he, is he unrestricted? I, I honestly can't remember if he's unrestricted. No, I, I don't think so. But um, you so my, point. my but, point is that I would caution on spending 30 million year, 30 million a year again on Andrew Wiggins. But I do think Zan that he has probably earned. Oh yeah. He has one more year at 33 million. Okay. So I think Andrew Wiggins has probably earned another hundred million dollar contract based on his level of play for golden state. And I don't know if that's translatable for another team. I certainly no, wouldn't yeah. sign him. I to mean, be- 33 is a high, but I think he's a testament to not giving up on players, but also testament to the idea that defense is still a little bit of a black box mystery, mm-hmm. I think, to mm-hmm. everybody. Because it's like he came into the league as a potential as a stopper, had the reputation early, being terrible on defense in Minnesota. Yeah, and his and energy he level. looks good on defense. So how do you know? I mean, if you have it, Draymond it's Green. It's hard to scout. It's hard to know the scheme. It's hard to know the coaching, you know. <laughs> Did you see... Speaking speaking of defense being a thing, did you see that our boy Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer like <laughs> yes. said AJ Griffin was Jimmy Butler like with some shooting? And like I don't oh, I thought you were gonna say the Trevor Keels. Oh, He's like Trevor the Lou, Ke- Lou Dort without elite defense, which yeah. is you know, like Lou Dort doesn't play in the NBA if he's not a, yeah. an elite defender. It's, it's I don't know. I, Kevin O'Connor is a hack, obviously. Like we've talked I, about I wouldn't say that, but okay. he's, no, no, he's not a hack, but his his takes are very hot from time to time. But the Jimmy Butler thing is like, I think to your point, Zan, there are very few amazing individual defenders that no matter what scheme they're in, they're also going to be amazing, right? Like I think Draymond is is amazing in what the Warriors do. But like if you put him on another team and they were trying to play him as like a four-man, like I don't know that Draymond would be this all-world defender that he has become. But like and Jimmy, it just it, yeah, it makes it's surprised to me that Wiggins couldn't be a good defender in Minnesota, or maybe there was a train wreck team because it's like yeah, tools wise, it's there, and he's like the definition almost more than any player in the NBA, which is saying a lot. Of you know, sometimes you talk about like quick twitch muscles, and so, I don't know if people think it's real or not. So there's some skeptics, but I'm like, he has that where he's, he's super, just like very quick. He's very twitchy. Like twitchy yeah. is always a funny, you hear it more like with the NFL, right? Like it's like, Oh, he's really twitchy, but like there are guys that are like, and Wiggins is really quick and like really fluid, which again, you know, you forget that he's like six, eight. Right. I mean, yeah. when he gets drafted, like people are talking about him being this like amazing, like wing creator. And, and in reality, like his personality and his skill set sort of just lends itself to being a complimentary piece. So but, if he was on the free market this year, which he's not, as you said, I think you'd get 20 what kind of contract do you think you get? I think you get 25 million a year from somebody. I think you're right. I think that's fair. It's a, but also too, here's another thing, right? Like team building is changing as we know it. Okay. So excluding the all NBA votes where Joel Embiid 
gets voted all NBA second team, even though he was like very clearly the second or third best player in the NBA this year. Like teams just like Boston is ahead of the game. Like Golden State has been ahead of the game. Like just get yourself skilled wings because in the playoffs, like when you can play that very switchy style on defense, it really jams teams up because yeah, a a, a team like Dallas, for example, with Luka, can just slow the pace down, spread the floor. And like, yeah, you're going to be in a dogfight. fight. You're going to have to, you're going to have to hope they miss shots, but also like those teams have to guard you too. And if you have a bunch of length and shooting on your side, like it's, it's hard to guard on the offensive end too. So like, I just think that a, a guy like Wiggins is just infinitely, infinitely more valuable. Like I'm not, I, I don't know that like, I think he's more valuable than Zach Levine, but. But what about a DeAndre Ayton? Like, say yeah, you had a like I, I, I on would the market. say. If you're thinking about maxing Aiton versus Wiggins, like I agree with you, Zane. Like, I don't think it's like a, a slam dunk, like, hey, you max Aiton. And obviously he's really young, so that's different. But like in terms of who's that next guy, like if you're a team, okay, here's a good one. You you love things like this. If you're the Bucks, they can't afford Andrew Wiggins anyway, nor would they be trading for him. But the Bucks, we agree, are like one wing short in terms of depth, correct? Sure. So like if you add in Andrew Wiggins and then all of a sudden, like, now Grayson Allen and Pat Connington are not your immediate wing depth. Like, yeah, then your team is way better because. Well, and it's, and it's Milwaukee's a good example because I should say extreme need, but you you could say every team in the NBA could use another wing. Yeah, correct. Except for like Boston, right? Like Boston is because Boston plays Marcus smart in that, like drew holiday, like wing role, right? Like where he kind of can guard a bunch of different guys as well. Uh, But I, I, again, I do think that like, Guys like Wiggins, you, you one, you can't give up on them. And two, like you, you do need to be looking for that like sort of skill set in the draft, which is why I do think like not to kind of jump the shark on the draft here, but like I do think guys like Keegan Murray are going to end up going a little higher and our boy Benedict Matherin because like, yeah, maybe they can't be stars, but like paying those guys 25 million a year is is a better use of your resources than paying, I don't know, maybe Paolo Bancaro, maybe Chelsea. Well, you know what? Know. And- I think you're right. And in terms of the draft, I liken it to, and the NFL's caught up in this way. They were a little behind the times, but like defensive linemen in the sense that if you draft a wing at number one and he's a little disappointing, say an Andrew Wiggins, he's still useful. Yeah. Um, in the same way, a defensive lineman, you hoping that he's JJ Watt, even if he's not and he's just a starter, that's still really useful. Yeah. Um, you can't say that about like a quarterback. If like they're just not good enough, then they're not you good just enough. Lost it. That's exactly know? right. Or a running back, or you know, or a center. You know, like if you draft your Leo Okafor and it turns out he's not good enough to be a good center, then he's basically useless. John, John Hollinger wrote an article, I think, about like this wing culture. And I, I don't want to get the stat wrong, but I think since like 2005, there have been like 31 true five men drafted in the top five, and only six have made an all star team. Which well, is, that's a great question because how many wings have been busts, like pure unplayable busts? Yeah, because like maybe even, Jabari Parker, but he was kind of had he was know, injury a, issues, and and you know, and and I think Jabari was like a little bit miscast as a three. Like I don't know that, like I think he would tell you that he was a wing, right? Like he would say like, oh yeah, I'm a three man, but I don't know that that was his best position, and he was much, 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 much more explosive before. The knee injuries. Remember, right, like when look he, at the. This is just a. This is just a stat. I pulled up from Talk Basketball, whatever that is. Dot net. Shout out to them. I just googled biggest busts in NBA history. Darko Milicic was supposed to be a stretch big. Anthony Bennett, probably same thing. Sam Bowie, Lamu Martin. I'm not sure. Maybe he was a wing. 
Hashim Thibi, Greg Oden, Michael Candy. These are all centers. Oden, doesn't, Oden doesn't really count. But yeah, I, yeah. I think the point is right. Or even, like Stromile Swift. Like everyone that's mentioned here is not a wing. Marcus Pfizer, like undersized bigs. I, I think, Zan, I will say this, like even Josh Jackson, your boy, right? Like he is playable, right? Even like Stanley Johnson, who is not a good NBA player, can play spot minutes, for an NBA team because he has some size and some defensive ability. Now, granted, like those guys are busts in my opinion, Josh Jackson and and Stanley Johnson, but like they can hang around, right. Because they can do some different things. Like, like you said, if you draft Anthony Bennett and he stinks or you draft Jaleel Okafor, like they just have no value because they're just not a spot. I looked it up. LaRue Martin fits that mold. First overall pick in 1972. He was a 6'11 center who was out of the league in year five i believe until kwame brown came along larue martin averaged the least amount of points by any number one pick in his first year in his first year but then i think kwame brown beat that with the Wiz. yeah so you'll see guys like you know josh jackson i think is is on the low end um stanley johnson types like guys who just like can't shoot at all and then they just bust yeah, for that reason it becomes but the, really the bust hard. rate is lower like michael kidd gilchrist right like yeah i think you know he's probably he he's such a bad shooter that it does make it hard to play him, but also like he is a good defender and like he did hang on for a number of years as like a useful rotation player. Right. Well, it's funny that we say that like the only wings that bust, you really have to be the non-shooter. You got to be a total non-shooter. And meanwhile, like there are some, you know, lottery picks that are kind of fit that mold that I'm surprised are still talked about as pure lottery picks. Who do you have Uh, in that mold? Well, Dyson Daniels, they say, is going to be top five pick, he's the Australian point, kid. Wait, a top five pick? Isn't he a point? He's a point guard. Yeah, I guess he's he, he's he doesn't playing count make, average five assists per 36, but he's not a shooter. Um, he's a bad shooter for sure. But like guys like, you know, I'm thinking of Jared Culver. <laughs> Justice Winslow never really could shoot. Justice um, Winslow was an okay shooter. He probably yeah. should have worked in theory. His back got hurt. I will say Jared Culver, like. You and I agree on some stuff. We disagree on other stuff, but like we had Jared Culver dead on from the start. Like we're like, we just don't get it. Like if you're a defensive first wing, like you have to be so good. You have to be Tony Allen. If you're a defensive first wing to get drafted that high. And even then, because we're talking about defense, we're not even sure how to judge it properly. Right. The other guy like Sohan, who might just be a power forward Draymond type. So that'd be fine. Yeah. I don't think he's, he's more those, those types of tweener guys. Now I I don't know that I'd throw them in any particular category, like wings or guards, but anyway, your, your point is correct. Like if you take a wing one overall and and this year's draft is obviously quite odd because like the best three players, in my opinion, are very clearly Smith, Paolo and Chet, right? Like it's just the way it is. Like they're the three most talented. And so like, if you do something insane, like take Benedict Matherin number one, like you're going to get fired, right? <laughs> like you don't have any leeway to do something like that. And I'm not saying that I would have Matherin one. I wouldn't. Um, I've been pretty obvious. I like him, but so yeah. do I. I. I would have him four. I've told. I think I've said that before. Oh, like really? He, That's higher than me. So yeah, I'd have him higher than Jaden Ivy, but I also the Jaden Ivy thing, and we'll get to this later. Like the, there's some interview concerns I'd say with Jaden Ivy that I've heard lately. That um, would but make can me- I jump in because I just want to miss this point, like. Wings who could shoot, who busted. How many are there? And then my mind went, what about Adam Morrison? He was supposed to be the next Larry Bird, third pick. Microfracture surgery, though. But yeah, and I looked up his stats from college, and it's interesting because he was a great player as a junior, 28 points per game, shot 43% from three. So you're like, what's the problem? Look at his other years. 
his three point percentage prior to that, 30 and 31, he was only a 76% free throw shooter. So there were some warning signs that he was not a knockdown shooter. No, and he he did get a lot better. And like I said, I think I think he had a, a chance. I think injuries were a major concern with him. And I think that's you know certainly part of the story. But I, I agree with you. Like in a lot of ways. You, you can't, it, it's hard if you have the number one pick, unless you're totally like fortunate, right? And like you're, I mean, even like Cleveland when they drafted Wiggins and then traded him because they signed LeBron, like if you're the number one pick, like you, you have to take some ceiling, right? Which is kind of why I think teams are leaning a little bit more towards Jabari Smith than, than someone like Chet, because I think it's pretty obvious that Chet's ceiling is, is limited based on how teams play in the NBA, right? Like, I think we both agree on that. Even if you think Chet is one overall, I think that the potential part of Smith is what is probably edging him above. Yes. And I'm also, I'm like old school where it's like, I read the list of, you know, eight of the 10 biggest busts or centers, and then I'm still talking up James Weissman. So like, I'm just a little out of touch and I still fall into the seven foot thing. Yeah. And that's why like, it's, it's super interesting. Like Golden State seemed to do a better job this past year when they drafted Moses Moody and Kaminga than they did when they drafted Wiseman, right, instead of LaMelo Ball. And it's not even like LaMelo Ball. I don't know that they'd be as good with LaMelo Ball. We assume they'd be better, but who knows? He maybe doesn't play. I I don't know, right? But it's like you should probably be targeting wings in the, you know, 5 to 20 range. And then I don't know that you shouldn't just be like, taking a shot in the dark on wings, like, you know, your, your Patrick ball. Yeah, when in doubt, just go wing. Just wing, take wing. a if wing. If there's a tie, take a wing. Like this is what we, we, we have lauded Boston for this for years. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like we criticized Danny Ainge, criticized Brad Stevens, all this stuff. But like, you know, remember they used to just do that, right? Like they would take, and you know, Terry Rozier kind of plays that little, like he can defend multiple positions, but they took like Romeo Langford. They took Grant Williams. They took Aaron Neesmith. And like they hit on Grant Williams, right? He's really good for them. He's, he's allowed them to, to play a different style this off season. And so they built the roster around that, but it was like Boston just went in doubt, was just like, all right, which guy's like six, seven and can like maybe shoot. And then they well, just and, went with and it. that the best part about that is if you get enough wings like that, and then you're big enough to where your shooting guard, quote unquote, is like a six, seven guy, then it really helps your defense. Golden State, like that's an underrated part of their success big wings boston is like choking teams out defensively oh, it's insane i mean we can talk we can talk a little bit about yeah that, and that's why like, i think they're a scary matchup for gold state and anybody just like you're playing like jalen brown at well, like shooting guard kind of it's just like they're just big ass team so one of the things just to to, to move this on before we get to like because i do want to talk about dallas too because the yeah, dallas, dallas isn't an interesting spot but yeah golden state specific style stretches you on d a good bit right we've talked about this they don't they they do finish like late shot clock they'll finish in some ball screens and stuff but like they do the whole like spurs 2013 like beautiful game like tons of passes tons of cuts like where you know their offense is very different than how most teams run their offense these days and they do obviously have some great individual talents and then draymond kind of helps well yeah and i think they said on the broadcast they lead the league i think in assist percentage right and and, percent this playoff and i think i've gone over this on the podcast before but like you know more passes doesn't equal good like it doesn't always equal better but the way you've made the point it it tends to lead to a lot of turnovers which golden state does have yeah yeah, more turnover that's exactly right right that's yeah okay good i'm i I wasn't sure if i'd ever mentioned that before but so the Celtics specifically, because they switch so much and they're so good at communicating, like it may be interesting to see the way that Golden State decides to play against them, right? Because Boston would happily, will happily guard Draymond with Al Horford, right? Who's quite good. 
and they'll happily just switch every ball screen that they end up doing. So the, the, the quick fix isn't just like, hey, you're going to have to put you're going to have to run more ball screens. Like the quick fix is like, you know, you're going to probably need to run more ISO and that's hard against Boston too, because they have good rim protectors when Robert Williams plays. And then they also have like, like there is, there is no like defensive weak link when they play, right? Like you can get Horford on the perimeter, but he's so smart, but even like, you know, it'd be natural to be like, ah, oh, Peyton Pritchard, short white guy. Like he battles his ass off. Like they, they are so good on the perimeter defensively. Like, it's to me, it's going to be really interesting, assuming Boston does close out Miami be, to see how Golden State decides to adjust because like they're Boston is very equipped to defend Golden State specifically, I think. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I think they've been probably the most impressive team in the East and shout out. We should have led with this. Our wins draft. Yeah, it's Playoff over. Draft. Um, you took Phoenix number one. No shame there. Maybe I reached on Milwaukee number two. I think that was fine. If Chris Middleton's healthy. I thought Chris Middleton was coming back. If Chris, um, he was healthy when you picked him. They, he got hurt in the playoffs. Oh, did he? Okay, there you go. Your pick and, was fine. But Blake Jr. is just a guest coming in, humiliating us, taking Golden State and Boston. And, and telling four. us and telling us that he thought those were the two best teams. Well, and talk about this. Danny Ainge type move. He traded down from number two to number three because <laughs> he was so just, confident. I mean, I, I, I didn't even want to bring that it up. That was humiliating for us. I was, we might have is. to like fold. We've shamed everybody in our. It's really bad. It's just, it's, it's really bad, but he deserves a lot of credit. Cause like I said, but like was, talk about like Phoenix. Cause that's still going to be the biggest head scratcher. Cause Dallas, you know, look good, but wasn't super competitive in the series overall. I, yeah. I, I can't figure out Zan if. I can't figure out if this series was more of like a referendum on Dallas and and Phoenix for that matter, or right. if part of me thinks that Golden State is just a bad matchup for Dallas. Like Dallas would have been better off playing a team like Phoenix, obviously who they win against, and then also you know maybe a team like Memphis who they can sure. slow down and like and and Golden State just you you can't you it's hard to change how Golden State plays, which is which is why I'm interested in the Boston matchup because they can maybe do it. But like Dallas, like you said, like, why do they keep starting Dwight Powell? Yeah, they just didn't have a lot of like tricks in the bag. They're like, this is what we do. I hope it works. Hope we hit shots. And so like this particular team, you want to be targeting Jordan Poole a lot. You want to be targeting Steph. Clay definitely looks like he can't defend. And I think that is a bit of a concern because somebody is going to have to guard Jason Tatum and like, you know, probably be Wiggins. But like for Dallas specifically, Luca was pretty tremendous in this series, right? He did not play well on Thursday night. I think he was 10 for 28 and a, a bunch of garbage time buckets. But like Dallas just didn't have the horses to one stop Golden State, right? It, it was pretty, pretty stark in my opinion in games one and two to watch how good like Wiggins and Otto Porter was when it was like, oh shit, yeah. if a team has good wings, like Dallas is totally destroyed. And like, where was that from Mikel Bridges, right? That's just not how Phoenix plays. But I just think I personally just think this says more about Phoenix or I'm sorry, more about Golden State than it does about Dallas. Like if I was Dallas, I do think they need to improve their wings more, more and more as I look at it. Like you're just going to run into teams like this. Right. And Memphis is going to probably sign another wing. Right. And Memphis is going to be better for it. So like if you're Dallas and you're keeping, you know, I said over and over again, like, hey, I think they can run it back. They get Tim Hardaway back. Part of me thinks that after watching this series that like they absolutely need to figure out another wing spot. Well, and this is my, I'll, I'll ask this question. Is this sort of, you have two choices, no in between. Is this just a matter of like 
Luca is young Jordan, young LeBron, inching closer and closer every year, and eventually he'll crack he'll through. Get there. Yeah. Or is this, you know, like Atlanta last year, where it's like, hey, they maybe overachieved, and maybe there there are actually some structural issues here. Because if you look at the negative side, you know, they shot really well this playoffs. This is playoff only. Bullock forty percent. Finney Smith, 43%, Dinwiddie, 41%, Kleba, 30, 43% as, as a whole. Maybe they're overachieved in the playoffs and they actually, like you said, need to add some pieces. I also would say like they their interior defense, I don't know if it was good. I guess it was good during the year, but like Golden State was just like attacking them at will. Yeah, because they because in the playoffs, like they're forced to play Maxi Kleba at the five, which is fine. He battles he he battles his ass off, but like, you know. Dwight yeah, Powell is their rim protector and their screen and dive guy with Luca, and he played. He played yeah, like they, did, they didn't minutes. have any rim protection at all, or even like guys who would scare you. So, so my question to you. Well, let me answer your question. I yes. tend to believe the former that That's eventually Luca is so good he will get there because with every like true transcendental talent, I think transcendent. That, I would say. What did I say? Transcendental. Yeah, transcendent yeah. talent. They've gotten there, right? Like they've they've had some issues. But, you know, LeBron got there eventually. Jordan obviously got there. Giannis, I mean. Giannis I got there. K- yeah. KD got there, although I think as, yeah. as more, more days pass, people are ready to kind of, like, talk about KD. But, but those are kind of, like, jumbo creators. Like, I, I guess we should agree that, like, Kawhi is kind of in that category now, too. Like, would you, let me ask you this. Do you think today is Luka better than, than peak Paul George today, right now? Do I think Luca is better? Yes. Okay. So if that's the case, like my gut is that Luca will eventually get there, but you know, you have to figure it out, right? Like this Dallas team is actually pretty good, right? They've, they've made a lot of uh, pretty good decisions. Like the Dorian Finney Smith contract was great. Reggie Bullock was a really good signing. Hopefully they can bring him back. Like, but like they gave Trey Burke a player option. Like you got to get that off the books. They did trade for Dinwiddie and Bertans. And, and we talked about this at the time. It looks like Dinwiddie was probably some insurance for Jalen Brunson, but like they're going to overpay Jalen Brunson, which I think they should do. And like Bertans, as you said, what did you call him? A traffic cone? Like you, traffic cone. No, or... no, traffic cone was Patrick Beverly. You, you, I have the wooden plank. Or wooden something. plank. Yeah. Wooden plank. Like if he's not shooting 45% from three, you can't play him. He can't play in those, those wing games because yeah. he gives you space, but like he just gets destroyed on the defensive end. Like, is there anyone who, you know, would fit as like an improvement over Andrew like, Wiggins, but like, you still need, I think like a stretch big. And I think they thought they had that in Porzingis. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear that like that just didn't, I don't know if it was Porzingis, personality or his playing style. Like I did, you know, we've talked about this a lot in the past with Dallas and, right. and Porzingis, like that Porzingis and Luca tend to like derive their offense from very similar spots, which is a problem, but you kind of, what, what about like a. Obviously, he's taken and he's too old. But like, I think that part of the reason they're trading Porzingis is like we don't want we want to be medium, right? We've talked about this a lot. Like, we just don't want to be too big. We don't want a seven three guy who can't really hang um, on the perimeter at all. So we just need like you know a six good six ten big guy like Kleba, you know, or Powell is supposed to be. Do you think like a Al Horford would be perfect? Yeah, that'd be great. A guy like Al Horford would be great, but he ain't, there's not a lot of Al Horfords. Right. right? Like I'm just thinking like, just, you know, like the steady guy who's going to be good defensively, who can make be able to hit a three. He can make corner threes. He can pass. Like Al Horford is, is really good. Like definitely yeah. not a Hall of Famer, but like Hall of Very, Hall of very Good. I, I would say the one thing also that gives me pause about Dallas 
the other guys that we kind of mentioned, right, your Jordans, LeBrons, KDs, Kawhis, I mean, I guess Steph Curry should count in that as well. Like, those guys all were elite defenders at a certain point in their career, right? Giannis, same deal, like all elite defenders. And so while Luca, in my opinion, like I've told you before, is the best offensive player in the NBA currently, he's probably never going to be an elite defender. He's okay. His hands are good. Like he's not abysmal, right? He's not Trey Young. But does it mean that Dallas is always going to be a little leaky? Because you you know as well as I do, Zam, like, you know, 2008 to like 2015 LeBron, like he was an Mm. animal defensively. And then like KD with the Warriors when he was in the, when he was like the four man or the five man next to Draymond Green, absolute like game wrecker protecting the you know what like i'll I'll actually defend luca here because he's a good enough defender right like the the people attacked him but the team was sixth in defense this year and i think the reason they attacked him is like you're going to attack the weakest link and that doesn't necessarily mean that link is is really bad it's just like happens to be the weakest guy on the court so if davis bertans is out there they're attacking him plus it also makes sense to attack luca because you want to tire him out because we know that he's not in like elite basketball shape. I think like, honestly, to me, that's the next step for him is like show up ready to play. Don't, don't Shaquille O'Neal it and play your way into shape. Cause like currently the Dallas team does not have. Right. But I, I tend to think Luca is who he is at this point. I, it, people just told you said you, you seem to think that he didn't get better this year. Like you were studying his stats right. and like they got better. His stats are, are exactly the same as the last I, year. I think he was quite a bit better this year. And I think his playoff play showed that in terms of his ability to dictate pace of play in a game. I'll tell you that might be true, but statistically it's almost identical. His, sophomore junior and you know aren't you an, aren't you an eye test guy i thought you were an eye test guy i think he looks the same too i always thought he looked good i mean you know where would you where would you put luca right now like if you picked best player in the nba like do you still have luca behind like All right well we you know recency bias and I'm just curious. Like, do you have him like behind like Giannis? Like Giannis is yes. one. We agree. You have him behind Jokic. Like, do you have him behind Embiid? Do you have him behind KD? No, behind I would LeBron? say, and I, you know, that's a great question. Like the cold water, a little bit is thrown off of Luca. You know, being you know leading. If he let have led this team to the championship, you know, all bets are off. But, um, or even you know, even beating Phoenix. I mean, you know, that's such that's a pretty huge impressive. Feather in his like, cap. I would the- say, I would say the way I define it, as I said before, is like if. Um, you had one season, you know, and every year you start over. So you're not talking about the future. You're not talking about the past. You're talking about one season next year. Everyone right. drafts so every year. Like that's, like exa- that's exactly football. correct. Like who goes one overall? That's right. Yeah. And full season. I think it would be, I, I would stand by Giannis number one, pretty clearly. I think you probably have to go Jokic just because of his durability and his incredible regular season stats. I think I'd probably go KD three. And then I would actually be torn between Luca and maybe LeBron even. Yeah, um, I, I think that, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think it's 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 going to be soon. We start asking about Luca versus KD for sure. Yeah, just because like doesn't. And seem where like does Steph fit in? You made the point about his legacy, and I think you, I forgot to mention that. Like, I saw some people online being like, "Oh, he'll tie LeBron for most rings," and. Like, I don't think there's any debate about those two. Like, LeBron is clearly ahead of no, the, the One of the biggest things, hold on, let me cut you off just for a second on that. Yeah. Like, one of the biggest things is, like, what KD going to Golden State kind of did is it robbed us of, like, three years of, like, legitimately peak Steph Curry, where, like... Well, that, know, that's the point I was going to make, too, because it's, like... It's just hard. Like he's If just, you would have... If we did this exercise and we just did it, 
best player in the league. I think KD would have ranked ahead of Steph almost every year. But yeah. then you look back and you're like, okay, maybe Steph's going to get four rings and two, you know, two without Kevin Durant. It, it was really, it was really funny, right? Like in the finals, like when they played together, everyone was like, all right, I hear everybody loves Steph, but like KD is that guy, right? right? Like, and that 2018 finals was sort of when people recognized that like, Durant was probably the best player in the league, right? Like he was, a, I That's think he, might, thought, yeah. he was probably better than LeBron right at that yeah. point. Yeah. But like, you know, having Steph just like run it back with Harrison Barnes and launch like 15 threes a game in, in 2017 or 2016, 2017, like that guy might've been the best player in the league. We just don't know, you know? Yeah. Like we, and, we don't know. You know, like I think his legacy and oddly Durant's legacy is hugely on the line here in the sense of right now, I still think Durant's, even if he doesn't have as many titles, I think he's better than Steph historically. But if Steph gets the, another title without him, I think it's you can't even argue. It's, it's going to fall hard. back on titles. Yeah. But here's another hard. thing. If Steph loses in the finals, because I think a lot of people are ready to crown Golden State when I think they might be an underdog against Boston. Um, if they lose in the finals, that means they would have gone one and two in the finals without, without Durant. Durant. And, and they didn't is, look that great in the one they won either. They barely beat, you know, a LeBron right, no, and a ragtag bunch. Yeah, no Kevin Love, no Kyrie. Yeah, and like I, that I was not the most impressive finals performance I've ever well, seen. I do think it's worth mentioning that obviously, like Steph, everybody's injured, right? But Steph had the torn, he had the pulled groin in 15 16, and I think that definitely impacted him. And then obviously, like, you know, in my opinion, he was the best player in the finals against Toronto, but the team was just like, at that point, like just done, you know, no Durant, Clay Thompson just, you know, tears his ACL. Like the, the team was just finished. Like they just weren't, you know, Toronto was better than them, but I thought Steph was better than Kawhi Leonard in that series specifically, you know? And so yeah. like, I don't think, I don't think them going one and two is more of a referendum on Steph, but I do think I, I talk about luck a lot. I, I do think like that played a, a role in it for sure. Cause like, think about it. If Draymond just doesn't kick LeBron in the nuts, right. Yeah. They probably would have, like, they, they just win in five yeah. and, and like Steph probably wins MVP. And then like, it, it, it's not even a discussion. LeBron's whole career is different too. And so, yes, definitely. You, you know, and you could, he have left Cleveland without a title. Yeah. Like you get me, you get me talking about narratives when I say that I don't want to, but like, it's, it's hard to ignore the warriors at this point, I think everybody was like, oh, we hate the Warriors. Like, you know, they were super team, whatever. But like the core and like the drafting, it's, it's just hard to ignore how successful the Warriors have been. And, and I, think, I that, think, you know, forget the KD thing, like just really fun to watch. Really, you they know. are. They're, yeah. KD made them less fun. That was that was one of the reasons why the KD thing was so annoying was because it was yeah. so obvious at full strength they were the best team. And it was so obvious no one's going to beat them. But then also like, they went from this like amazing, like fun style of this team that like, you know, they were super switchy. They shot a lot of threes. They passed the ball a ton. Like Steve Kerr is a super likable guy. St- still is obviously, but like, and then they brought in KD and it was like, all right, well we need 15. Well, and like, talk about touches. like uh, butterfly effect. Like what if Durant and Oklahoma city won that one year, they were up three, one. And then I don't think Durant leaves Oklahoma city. And then we might've had, three superstars on their own team yeah, that battling for the next five years. That would have been fun, honestly. And then Russell Westbrook's career looks different because they probably won a title that year. Like yeah. it's, 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 it's just interesting stuff. And like, I, I think you're probably right. I think that Boston probably would be a slight favorite. I 
Do you think they'd have home court advantage? I'm, I'm actually not sure. No, it looks like, I mean, based on record, it'd be Golden State. Okay, so, so Gold, actually, so, I think betting-wise, so, so Golden State, Golden State should be a slight fave if they have yeah. home court, because it's probably pretty close. And I will say, we haven't we haven't really talked about Boston and Miami at all, but like... Miami looks like they're running on fumes right now. It just it just seems like this happens every year. Like, they, they just don't have enough in the tank. We know there were some rumors about players having COVID and shoot around being canceled because they didn't want to have to test. And then Miami certainly did come out of the gate and, and look like something was a problem. I think they need to bench Kyle Lowry's in. Like, I just don't think they can play him. Like just play Max Struess, spread the floor, like let Jimmy handle the ball. Like, I just, I don't get it. Um, but and I also think, for Jimmy Butler as, as he looks sometimes like the best player on the court, he looks sometimes like the best player in the world. Right. Honestly. Like, but if he's not getting to the line, he's a lot less effective. Um, and the last two games, you know, we're doing this before game six, he's three for 14, four for 18 shooting and only got to the line a total of four times. So like, if you can do that against Jimmy Butler and make him a shot maker, then you're, you're ahead of the game. It's tough. And there are games when he like, just like you said, goes nuts and he just makes everything. Right. And then, he, and then and there are games, you know, against Philly 12 for 13 from the line earlier against Boston, 17 for 18 in a game. Like if he's doing that, then he becomes really, you know, I mean, I think for Miami, and again, I'm, I'm not going to, I won't put anything by this Miami team. Like they play super hard. Like they're, they're obviously one of, they're super mentally tough. Like, you know, they could easily go to Boston and win and, and bring it back to game seven. But like, I think the issue for Miami, it's not that Do you think they can actually easily win? Cause I, I don't think that. that, would, that would well, be that I, I meant like, in theory. I don't think the game would be easy, but I, I just mean like, if they won, like, I, I don't, it, it wouldn't. Well, you might be listening to this after the game, but what's the line? It must be really high. Uh, I don't actually know. I don't, you know, I'm not really it's, a gambler. It's minus eight and a half tonight. All right. I would take the points to be totally clear. Assuming nobody is out, but like no Tyler hero. Like I, I just think here, here's my concern with Miami, right? They were the best three point shooting team in the regular season. And then all of a sudden they stopped playing Duncan Robinson, which seems like it was necessary, but then Tyler hero can't make a shot. Victor Oladipo looks the same athletically, but can't finish at the rim and also doesn't shoot threes. And, and so, like, if I'm Miami, like, you have to get yourself a legitimate another 3 and D guy. Like, you just have to. Like, I think, because, they, I think they have to play Duncan Robinson just for the just, Dallas factor of, like, we need a hot shooting night to win. It just we're has not as to good happen. This team right That's now. exactly right. Like, I totally yeah. agree with you. Like, Boston, they, they are not as good as Boston. And, like, without Tyler Hero to create offense for them, like where is their offense going to come from if they're not going to make threes? And so, yeah, they could have a game where like Struess and Vincent and, and Duncan just make 15 threes and they probably win. But like Butler's two for 12, like they're just, they're just not making shots. They're shooting under 30% as a team. And it's like for a team like Miami to just kind of change their identity based on, you know, I heard personally, I don't know that this is true, but I heard that like Jimmy doesn't really like Duncan Robinson. And that was kind of oh, one no. of the, that was kind of what I, I don't know this for a fact. I was told that potentially the Udonis Haslam, Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolster argument may have been about Duncan Robinson. And, and, and so I don't know, again, I, I don't like to throw rumors out there. You know that, but like, it just seems very odd to, for Miami to totally change the style that, that got them to this point when, when it wasn't obvious that they needed to do that, especially yeah, not that's against a good a team point. Like Boston. Because well, and then what do you do Duncan. with Duncan Robinson, who's under contract for the next four years? Right, and you can hide. And Duncan so is Robinson. Jimmy Butler too, by the way. Wow, 
Jimmy's worth it. I, I mean, you just I, I mean, his contract looks a little scary to me. Jimmy Butler under contract, $37 million next year, 45 the year after. But is there 49 any part the year after. Let me ask you a question. A Player option for $52 million. Durability concerns aside, which matter. Yeah. Is there any I, concern that Jimmy Butler will not show up in shape and play his ass? No, off that's as true. Long as he I would, I would, if that was a contract in the open market, I would not give him that contract. Well, yeah, but like, but there's been, but okay, that's fine. He's 32. He, all right. Hold on a second though. Like I agree with you. The, the, the end of the contract, I mean, signing anybody to that type of deal after well, signing 30s a 32 years old, bad. he's going to be bad. 33, 34, 35, 36 years old, making 52 million for a guy who can't shoot well. Right. It's, it's that's bad. a potential Listen, like John Wall contract. Albatross kind of contract, but yeah. okay. Well, they signed Wall when he was south of 30. Like this is a totally different situation. But my, but my point is, is that like the Heat were the number one seed this year. Jimmy was very clearly one of the 15 best players in the NBA. And like he's very important to who they are as well. So like, it just is what it is. Like teams just do that. But I don't. I just don't know why teams like Harden's going to be like this. Somebody it's else. Like, will well, sign. we have to max him. No, no, no. Hold on. You do. All right. I'm, I got like we got like two more minutes. We'll okay. talk about this. But tell me why I need to pay James Harden a five year deal or whatever. You don't. You don't need to do anything. Right. Like you don't. There's no necessity to spend any money. However, if you do not max James Harden, if you're Philly, or let's say you don't max Jimmy Butler, if you're Miami, and they go somewhere else, your team is worse. When you conceivably have a title window for your team to be better, right? So, so the opportunity cost in the short term, in my opinion, doesn't outweigh the long term because, like, okay, so speaking specifically, yeah. so spe- specifically speaking of Harden, right? If I was Philly, I would, I wouldn't like low, low ball, and I wouldn't be like, oh, here's four years, eighty million, right? I wouldn't do that. But like if I was Philly, I'd be like, all right, here's four years, like 120 million. And then I would dare some other team to give him 250 because right. I don't think that market is there. Jimmy Butler, though, for who he is and what you know you're getting, he probably would get a max on the open market. And to be clear, I do think Harden would get a max as well from somebody. I don't know who it would be, but I think Philly probably has a little bit more leverage because I do think the warning signs on Harden are very, very clear right now. Right. So I think that Philly can sort of come to the table and be like, look, we need to protect ourselves a little bit here. Like also if you take a little less money, we move Tobias off the books, we can get a better fit for you and Joel, blah, 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 blah. And Harden probably, you know, he's probably amenable to that, right? He's worth $500 million already, whatever. But I do think when you don't pay guys like that, it just puts you in a bad spot if you feel like you're you're one step away, right? And right. so, and I think your point would be like, I'd rather have an overpaid team that makes the conference finals than a reasonably fairly paid team that's the sixth. Because so let's season. let's 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 put it in perspective of this year's conference finals, right? So, yeah. Golden State is paying an absurd amount of luxury. The tax. number one, ta- yeah, one hundred and seventy, one hundred and seventy million, million, right? Like yeah. so, but Golden State made fifty the finals. million more than Dallas. So, so Golden State made the finals, right? I don't think anybody believed before the year that, I, I mean, I'm sure some people thought that they, they could be really good. We knew right away that they were pretty good. But there were definitely some concerns about like, oh, you gave Draymond 80 million. Like, oh, this clay contract's really, really bad. Like, oh, Steph is 32. Like, and now Golden State's in the finals. Do you think they're regretting paying the luxury tax this and, year? And to your point, the top, uh, of the top, 18 teams in the league in terms of payroll, only one missed the playoffs. Yeah, um, so it, it that just, was Indiana, who's 10th in payroll. And, and Indiana is like pseudo tanking anyway on guys yeah. that like got hurt. And, and so, but that, that's, that's kind of my point is like, 
if you're Philly and your owner's worth $5 billion and the option is you have James Harden and Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, or you have Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, and DeAnthony Melton, but you save $20 million and then you add like, you know, that that's the thing. Like, what do you add with that money? And so I, I just think that. It is funny to look at because the NBA is not like baseball where it's such a big discrepancy, but in this particular case, there is, you know, Golden State paying 170 million and fairly, there's no contracts that are real bad contracts on the books. A team like Oklahoma City is the extreme example where their total payroll this year was 80 million, but 26 of that was going to Kemba Walker, who was who's not on the team, yeah, and Derek Favors, who didn't wasn't allowed to play, who did 10 million. I, I still think that there needs to be, this is just a totally different conversation, but like there needs to be something in place to protect a guy like Derek Favors. Cause it's not his fault. He gets traded to Oklahoma city. And then it's also not his fault that like, he's still good enough that he doesn't help I, Oklahoma city. How about this? This is a crazy, let's end on this concept. So Oklahoma city, like they don't want to spend more than like 40 million on payroll. They have, right. well, they have 40 to spend, million to burn. Obviously they have to spend to the, the salary floor, floor. Yeah. And then they have to, so, so, you know, but what about the this in baseball, no salary floor. So the Marlins payroll could be 35 million. Like let's say you have an activist owner upset about the gun laws, abortion, whatever <laughs> it may be. Do we need to do this? Listen. So what if Oklahoma city quote unquote signs Beto O'Rourke for $40 million a year, just as like a political contribution? <laughs> Is that, would that be allowed? You can sign whoever you want. So what about that? What if they sign, you know, it won't be a AOC to a max contract. You can can do that. You can sign any player that you want. Like you can do that. They just have to be on your active roster. That's an idea for Oklahoma state. I don't know if they're politically inclined or not. Isn't their owner Clay Bennett? Yeah. I don't think he particularly cares. Pretty confident that he would not want to give his money to uh, Beto O'Rourke, but yeah, yeah, that would be the evil twist that suddenly Donald Trump jr. Is the max (laughs) player for Oklahoma city. (laughs) And and simultaneously like hating on the NBA and doing a bunch of like Tucker Carlson sound sound bites about how the NBA is trash, even though he's the highest paid player. But the fun part would be, he has to be in a Jersey. You have to see Bernie Sanders in a Jersey every night. I mean, it's a good, it's it's one of your, it's one of your better ideas. All right. That is a, that's it for us this week. We'll be back Wednesday with the NBA finals preview. He is Zandrick Ellison. I'm sorry, Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show Zandrick Ellison at gmail.com. And uh, as always, Zan, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.